Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. I'm joined by my good friend and Saturday Night Live expert Stephen on today's show as we give to you our top five greatest Saturday Night Live performers of all time. We break down why we came up with our list, we share our favorite skits, our favorite host, and more. Steven's also kind enough to share his experience getting to see the show live. and also gives you guys and gals a little tip on how to go see the show live if you're ever in the New York area. So, the top five Saturday Night Live cast members is right now on the Couch Potato Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. I am Russ and... On today's show, I'm joined by a very special guest, a gentleman who has not been on the show for quite a while. Welcome, Stephen, back to the show. Stephen, how's it going, man? Hey, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Uh, good to be back. I always like being referred to as a gentleman because like, I don't feel like I am, so when I get called one, it feels good. I do not associate with uh, anyone or any male person that is does not have the title of gentleman. Like, I, I surround myself with good dignified classy people which is actually that. anybody that knows me knows that's like not the case at all i just hang out with a bunch of degenerates but it feels good to be called a gentleman from time to time oh yeah um well i asked you on the show today um i about three weeks ago i started uh listening to a podcast called uh, a fly on the wall it's a podcast hosted by Dana Carvey and David Spade. Uh, they reminisce about their times on Saturday Night Live, and a lot of times the guest is a person that has been associated with the show, whether it be former cast member, a writer, uh, a guest host. And I just found like listening to these stories kind of made me start uh, reminiscing about like when I used to watch the show quite a bit. So I kind of wanted to do an episode about Saturday Night Live and – when I was rattling my brain trying to figure out who would be the perfect guest to have on, I you were the first person that came to mind. You were the uh, Saturday Night Live expert in my my group of friends, so I thought you'd be perfect oh, yeah. for this episode tonight. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I love that you asked me. Uh, um, I, it's why I think Saturday Night Live, I thought a lot about this when you called me to prepare for this. Uh, you know, because I feel like out of my group of friends, you're definitely someone who we would kind of, we were both into that. So we could recite skits, things like that. Uh, but it, it kind of made me think back. It's like, wow, how did I start watching that? And I just remember it's, you know, my father watching it with dad, T.A., uh, watching those older episodes with him. And at some point, uh, I remember it just became funny to me. Mm-hmm. I remember it started. I'm like, I'm just watching him watching. I don't understand anything. And then at some point, you know, in the early 90s, it's like, I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's fun. It's making me laugh now. And then ever since then, I've just been fascinated with the show. Uh, and then kind of just the uh, spirit of it, you know, mm-hmm. just the whole, uh, it, it's a, it's an American institution. And it's something I've loved it so much. I, I've gone on two tours of, you know, the studio uh, that you can, uh, when you visit Rockefeller, you can do a tour, and I've done that a couple times, and yeah, I just, I love it, so uh, love that you invited me to talk about it. Nice. Um, you said you started uh, watching it with your dad. Uh, what was the, the time frame around that? So, that would have been mid-80s, and so I, that at that time, I don't think it was doing very well. 
Um, I think around that time, I don't even know if Lorne Michaels was producing it. I remember the opening sequence was like this weird roller coaster. Uh, and I'm trying to think who of uh, cast members. I want to say, uh, oh my gosh, I can't even think of. Well, the mid 80s had that time where I think, um, oh, who was it? Uh, Dick Ebersol, who was the head of NBC Sports, was okay. running the show for a little while and he decided that they wanted to treat it almost like a sports franchise where they started bringing in like all these like top tier comedians. Cause I think that's Billy Crystal was on there in the mid eighties. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah. Christopher guest was on there. Harry Shearer. That's right. I think that does mark a time where it was, they went from, yeah, kind of started with unknown stand-up comedians and comedic actors. And then, yeah, then you had like really well established at that point. Yeah, because I think that's like mid '80s is like '84 is like right after Eddie Murphy had left. Yeah, yeah. Because it seemed like uh, because I was introduced to it, uh, E uh, Entertainment Television when it used to be a halfway decent uh, station. They used to run thirty-minute episodes of the old Saturday Night Live stuff, Mm -hmm. and that's how I got introduced to it. I would sit and watch it because it was only like a half an hour long, and at some of those uh, after. Like the original, like you know, Ackroyd, Chase, Gilda, all those folks came and gone, and it seemed like it was kind of rough until probably ninety. Yeah, and I know for me, um, I had a, I had gotten a TV in my bedroom, and I, I live with my grandfather, and they were too cheap to get me cable TV in my room. So I had to rely on rabbit ears, and the only station I could pick up was the local NBC affiliate. So I basically got kind of stuck watching Saturday Night Live, and I kind of fell in love with it because this was probably sixth, seventh, eighth grade for me when I started watching it, which is probably around the same time you got into it. Yeah, I would say so. It was probably around the yeah, time I again where I the skits made like I it made sense enough to where I thought it was funny, you know? And then the other thing that I think was that I just brings great memories of is just seeing these people do that. And then me as a kid going, Oh wow, these are, that's so cool. They're building this world mm-hmm. around this, sketch, this idea of a sketch. I never even thought of it. And then you, you see this. And I, for me, I thought it was just, a, a, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just, it blew my mind how cool that was to, to create these little skits, these little miniature worlds mm-hmm. uh, for a f- funny few minutes. I think you when know. you're in that, that, uh, that frame of that, when you're growing up, you know, late middle school into your high school years, that seems to be like, I've noticed that everyone I've talked to about this topic seems to be their favorite time of Saturday night live was that era when they were in, in, yeah. in high school. And it seems like when you, when you watch it, even if you watch it for a little bit, it kind of formulates your sense of humor if you watch oh, the show. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, that, with that. that's kind of what I've always taken from it. And that's probably like the thing that I've gained most is like my sense of humor, I think, is from watching Saturday Night Live over the years because you always have that one performer that you just immediately connect with mm-hmm. and you can't miss them. Like, I know everybody has their own favorite weekend update anchor. I know, like, I just... Whenever I do a show, I always text people like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Just kind of get feedback and stuff. And I know, like, for me, my favorite anchor was Norm MacDonald. But then, you know, 
buddy of mine was a Dennis Miller guy. Uh, some people like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. So, yeah, you know, I I loved. My dad always said that. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Who was the who, the one? Norm Macdonald. He always said he's the funniest man alive because he anything he says is hilarious. Mm. And I always thought that he I agreed with that in terms of of that uh, his time doing the uh, weekend update because. Just yeah, anything he delivered, it just sounded so funny. Uh, I would say my favorite, and probably just because around the the, the time it was just uh, the time of my life, it really molded like the kind of like you said the comedy I I liked. I think the Jimmy Fallon and Tina Fey was just uh, mm-hmm. I just have a lot of great memories. I, I you know I don't think that they were the funniest, but it's the probably my favorite just because of the time in my life and I was watching them. I was always really excited to see a weekend update for them. And also I thought it was cool to have two people. I don't know that they had done that before, but I remember when I saw that for the first time, I almost felt like, Oh, I wish they had always done it like this because it kind of gives breaks in between the jokes, you know? Well, I know they originally, I believe Chevy was the first weekend update anchor. And then it went to Aykroyd and Jane Curtin were doing it together. Oh, okay. So okay. They, they they went two, and then I think they went they had one for quite a long time because I know they had uh, Miller, Nealon, McDonald. Oh, jeez, I think I stopped watching it Quinn, after. I think it was after. Or I can't. Yeah, I think Colin Quinn went after. Norm yeah, McDonald. Colin Quinn. Yeah, I remember him. I think it was after Quinn. Quinn started is when I kind of st- stopped watching it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, saying we were rust, I think that I there's a kind of a gap in that for me. Yeah. Well, I noticed that anytime like stuff that you grew up with as a kid, if it's like a long running like franchise, like and it could be anything. It'd be like like on the show we do a lot of professional wrestling on here, and I know like it Saturday Night Live's kind of like wrestling to an extent. It's like you have like eras or like spots in time where you are into it and it's like the epicenter of your your entertainment and then like you kind of start like okay this is established I know this is good or I like this but let me branch out and see what else is out there and I always have this to come back to and I think that's kind of how Saturday Night Live was it's like okay I know this is I'll enjoy this but let me see what else is out there I'll come back later plus you know 17, 18, 19 years old, you're usually not staying home at 11.30 on Saturday night. So I think that's kind of where I lost. It was like, okay, I'm out doing stuff I wasn't supposed to. Yeah. You know, Ramira, I think it wasn't until it became easy to find the content online mm-hmm. that, but after, you know, between that time, like you said, uh, I, that's where that gap was. But yeah, once... Uh, it became easy for me to find these episodes online. That's when I kind of picked up, I would say, mid-2000s or like 2010s mm-hmm. and on. I've kind of been really, it's allowed me to pretty much always consistently watch the show. Yeah. Yeah, same for me. I just, I'm not home when it's on and I forget to record it, so. <laughs> yeah, there's a, usually I can find, um, there's a website called Deadline Hollywood and being a movie nerd, I'm always fascinated with the uh, the box office returns for the movies that weekend. Mm-hmm. And they usually will post the final number, like the, the final estimate on Sunday mornings, but you can always catch on deadline. They 
they they pick like the best clips from Saturday Night Live the day before, and that's how I usually end up watching the show now. It's just yeah. like do those clips like oh okay they said like I know yesterday's episode because we're recording on a Sunday night so last episode uh, the cold open was uh, Trump at the East Palestine Ohio that chemical spill that they had it was uh, should, like I don't know all the performers so that's how often I watch it but uh, the guy that does yeah. Trump now was on there and I was like man he's actually really good like he's got. Trump's like that rough delivery they have sometimes, and he even does that shifting on the podium and stuff. I'm like, man, this guy's actually really good. But the cold open was really good, so that's how I end up. That's how I digest the show now. So, yeah. Um, you actually got a chance to go see that in person once before, I right? I did. Uh, it, this is one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me in my life again i've always i've loved saturday night live for a really long time and i've always wanted to get tickets and so they the, the way you have to get tickets it's like a lottery um mm-hmm. and so i and so every uh, i can't remember the time frame i usually get a reminder email um or i see something on facebook but you have a time frame where you can uh email um NBC and uh, let them know you want tickets and usually there's something fun like they want you to explain why uh, you know you want tickets so I would say for every year for gosh as long as I can remember having you know an email and knowing that's how they did it I would uh, submit my name and I remember in 2017 I'm I'm sitting at work uh, and I get an email from uh, I still have the email I couldn't find it for this it's buried way down. I can't even remember which address it's in, but I know I still have it. It's uh, it's from NBC, and it's so funny. I opened it up, and it said, congratulations, you have been selected for Saturday Night Live tickets. Please uh, call this number uh, for details. And what's so funny, it looks so unofficial. Like, it looked, at first I thought it was spam. I was like, there's no (laughs) way this is real, Uh you know? Uh, and so I remember I even did some research on that phone number and it seemed legit. So I, I, yeah, I called the phone number and I told him who I was and she verified my information. She says, yeah, you've been, you got selected and, uh, yeah, you get, I got, uh, you get two tickets and I got really lucky because I think when you, you don't get to choose, you either get, you don't choose your date and you don't choose whether you get the dress rehearsal or you get the live show. Uh, but we were selected for the live show when it was actually the 2017 Christmas episode. Um, and that was hosted by Jimmy Fallon uh, with uh, Justin Timberlake as the musical guest. Oh, wow. You got a good one. I know. We got so lucky. I, I think if we got the one before that, it would have been John Goodman, which I would have been happy yeah. to see too. But I was really happy that we. Uh, we got selected for this one. So yeah, my wife and I, we, and that was, a, we only had a couple weeks that we, you don't have a lot of time. And if you don't go, uh, you, that you, they'll just select somebody else. So, uh, I confirmed that we went and we, uh, booked a hotel and, uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Uh, do you, I, do you want me to kind of talk through the experience? Yeah, go so, ahead, man. Cause uh, that was actually the next question I had was, uh, how is it watching it live versus, yeah. um, watching on TV. Now, before um, we go into that, now you said that, so you actually, they'll give you tickets for the dress rehearsal. So you actually, there's a chance you won't get to see the show 
as it's happening, but you get to watch them practice basically. Yeah, that's it. So you might get a chance to see dress rehearsal now. Uh, is that the same day or is that like the day before? Yeah, it's before the live show. Okay. So it's uh, before the live show. Um, the things I've heard about that uh, is that it's a little more interactive with the audience because, you know, though it's a little more fun and you actually get to see sketches that w- might not be on air. So it's, it's longer. Um so yeah, so I was really happy. I mean, I th- that would have been a cool experience. I'd have been happy with that, but I thought it was really cool. Now to I I did hear um, who was it? Uh, yeah, um, John Hamm was on that Fly on a Wall show. I I forget the date, but I was listening to that episode, and the infamous um, skit that he does with uh, Bill Hader, where uh, John Hamm is James Mason, and Bill Hader's Vincent Price. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. John Hamm was supposed to be another actor. Now now that I'm talking about it, it completely uh, lost my train of thought. But um, they did this particular actor in dress rehearsal, and Lorne Michaels didn't like it. So basically, John Hamm had to go into the dressing room to like regroup, and Bill Hader comes in and asks him if he has like another character in mind. And then... He does uh, James Mason from, uh, I think it's Heaven Can Wait, an old Warren Beatty movie from the late okay. 70s. And they did this a couple hours before they went live. And that skit is absolutely hysterical if you haven't seen it. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. That's funny. That, like, that's amazing. They, like, on the fly, you had to change it. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I, that takes a lot of, I'd be really nervous about that. But, you know, they're professionals, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> And that's really cool. So how, how is it watching it live versus watching an episode on television? It's from, it was just surreal for me. Um, here's it's one of the bad things about being live is you, the studio is really small. So the way it's broke up, it's actually really, it's surprisingly small. And depending on where you sit, you may, or you might only, there are skits you might not even see at all. And that was the case for, for where we were. Uh, what was really cool is we were uh, right above the cold open stage. So we got to see really uh, great view of the cold open. Uh, but then as they move around uh, the stage for the different skits, uh, you start to lose visibility. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the bad things, but the experience for me was cool enough. Like I didn't, I, that, you know, it sucks you don't see it, but uh, they have t- televisions everywhere, so you can still kind of see everything. Um, but but it's it's just surreal to kind of see it live. And one of the the things that really stood out to me is how like intimate I guess it feels because it's such a small space, mm-hmm. right? And you're seeing these people, uh, you're, you're seeing the actors, and then you're seeing everyone supporting it all around, and then you see the audience, and it just seems like you're just mm-hmm. in this. It, it just because I think it's so enclosed it just it felt really intimate and it felt um i don't even know if that's the right word but it just felt really cool like it almost felt like it was just a, a community thing like maybe as a community theater kind of thing right the, it, it didn't seem like a big production the know? experience that, or that I, I read about the experience of it and somebody had summed it up as you're watching the rolling stones at like your local watering hole it's like you're watching at like your local like the Rolling Stones, the biggest band in the world, at your local dive bar, kinda. That that's a really great way to put it. Yeah, um, 
what what's also was cool again seeing the TV and then knowing that's what you'd be seeing live at home. Mm. Like I felt my I kind of caught myself like watching that and then looking. It's like wow, I get to see it from this perspective. Yeah, you know, that was cool um but yeah it was amazing my wife said you smiled the whole time like you just had a just a big smile and i i felt like i remember my mouth being really tired from from that and then you know every time they ask you to applause i would overdo it because i'm like so excited yeah so amped uh, for it yeah um and then you know the other really cool thing is seeing uh where we were we were really close to the edge and so as cast members would come up and get ready, they would always, they I'd make eye contact with somebody, you know, I don't know if they saw me directly, they're li- looking uh-huh. up at everyone. And they're so cool because they just wave to you and they, you know, they'll yell at you and and stuff. It, it's, it was, it's a great experience. Oh, a cool thing is before the show starts, they give you a warm up act. And for us, it was Keenan. Uh, yeah, Keenan, he did a, he sung. And it was really cool. He said he's, he's a fantastic singer, mm-hmm. and he comes out and he sings a song just to get the crowd pumped up. And uh, they actually they had a couple of the um, I think it was Cecily uh, Strong and um, oh gosh, she, uh, she just left uh, kind of recently. She was so funny. I can't think of her name now, but it was another cast member, and they did a song, and that was just a cool thing that you know you don't you wouldn't see on the live show at all. Yeah, but, you know, the audience you get to see it. That's awesome. Yeah. I actually, I'm going to uh, have you text me that. I w- I would love to go see that. Just to say that I went and seen it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give a shit who was the host. Yeah, that, that's how we felt. I wouldn't even care. Um, and and the one cool thing that happened is I was my wife and I we were on national television for. Uh, about three seconds when they did one of the commercial bumper breaks. Oh, you know, at, I don't know if they still do it, but at the, at, during that time they would, you know, while they were still doing commercial, they would do like a quick pan of the audience mm-hmm. or something like that. And uh, it, we were there when I saw, I, I'm like waving like an idiot because I'm like, I'm so excited. And then it was so funny. My a couple of my coworkers texted me. <laughs> really? Picture me. Yeah. Well, you could stream uh, those on the, on Peacock. Or as we call yeah. them, our show, the cock. Once we yeah. get done with this, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look up and see if uh, I could see on it because I've never watched like a full episode to see if they do those or not. But I'm, I have to now. Yeah, it's um, it's it. So I remember finding it and showing Jessica online. So I remember seeing it. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to look for it now. I think it's after the the first uh, musical thing. Or, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, you'll find it. I'm wearing a bright turquoise sweater. Like I wore, I wanted to wear the brightest sweater so that if they that happened, I can point myself. Oh yeah, it's like I, that. I know that guy. I know that guy. Yeah. That's oh, awesome, yeah. man. Um, yeah, I, I've I always thought it was one of those things where you were like invited, like basically it was like friends or like you know important people got to go see that show. I just didn't know that like any old person can like have a chance to go. Well, Russ, I appreciate that because that means you must have thought I must have been important because... Uh, well, you are important. You're my friend. So, <laughs> and with it being, you know, February and this is Valentine's Day, that's as sentimental as I'm going to get for the rest of the month. The the uh, other way I've heard that you can get tickets is standby tickets. And I it's been a while since I looked, um, but... I think the process for that is it's like you have to get up early. You get up early, you wait in line, you get a voucher, and that voucher lets you come in and then stand in line for a standby ticket. 
Okay, so it's kind of like Black Friday almost. Like you want the big, the cheap TV that's like two hundred dollars that's not worth two hundred dollars. Yeah, stand in line for it, and then you may get it, you may not. And so a lot of times, like I was asking the uh, uh, the guy that was kind of walking us through the building. how that worked standby and he said like so for a show like where we were at there's everyone who gets tickets they're most likely coming mm-hmm. so probably nobody in standby is getting in or very few people standby is getting in but depending on who the host is uh they can usually tell if they're gonna have to go get standby uh pull people in you know yeah. fill the seat so but yeah so yeah another way to get tickets if if uh you don't get selected Man, that's such a that's such a cool story, man. Like, I remember you told me you got those tickets, and I was like, I was fucking blown. Like, holy shit, he's fucking going. Yeah, I I think I was as happy going. about you going as you were that you were going. I it, it to me it was so surreal, and I wish. The other thing is they were like that you couldn't take pictures, which completely makes sense. Yeah, um, I'm mad at myself now because I go online and no one follows that rule like so many people did but i was so afraid at the time that i didn't take any pictures yeah you weren't gonna the the other thing is it doesn't matter i would have got some shitty pictures that i can just go online and get you know Mm -hmm. um i wish to me i think i I almost feel like i was just in the days the whole time yeah i wish i i feel like i always feel like i wish i can go experience it again because you feel like oh i wouldn't be so excited and then maybe i would focus more on stuff so yeah well, I mean, there's always next time. Yeah, I know. Maybe. Every year, one day, I'm sure one year. And I've heard, I've seen online, it's people, it's not like impossible to get selected for tickets. Yeah. Today, so it's happened to some people, so. Yeah, yeah. well, you can uh, just change like the spelling of your name. You could be Stefan. Yeah. And then like maybe put like a K instead of the T in your name and like maybe a different email address. What I should do is I should write a killer sketch and then submit that sketch with my submission. Say here, so anyone can use this. Just give me tickets. Maybe that's a, I feel like a good sketch is worth tickets. It's got to be worth an episode, or yeah, it's got to be worth tickets if I can write a good sketch. Oh Maybe. yeah, I, I think that that should be a thing. Like if you can write a sketch, just make it a fucking contest, and we'll even yeah. let you pick the show you want to go to. Ooh, yeah, like of course, that. now, like, they, they don't let you know, like, they pretty much, I think they announce, like, the host and the musical guest in, like, blocks. Okay. Yeah, it's like, from whatever, so, like, okay, like, this month, it's, you know, Dave Chappelle and the Foo Fighters, it's, you know. Oh, I know what you mean, like, the, yeah, that's make, right. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Melissa McCarthy and Coldplay, and then you've got, like, Kid Cudi and, you know, whomever, and then, like, that's it until March, and then they'll announced the March lineup. Yeah. I think it's like a COVID thing. Cause I know they were doing that during COVID. I was going to say, yeah, that's felt like, because I don't, they used to not do that. Like you usually didn't know who was hosting until, until like the week of. Yeah. Did you watch any yeah. of those COVID like the early COVID? Cause I remember I, I was curious to see how they would pull that off. Um, the first week, I think it was Paul Rudd was the host. Yeah. The week that basically the fucking world shut down and it was really odd to watch that. And I think they did like, then they do like zoom sketches for a couple weeks after that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember feeling when I watched that feeling, it made me feel really uneasy. 
I was like, oh, I'm, I, it made me feel, I was like, I'm so glad they did it, but it made, it was this weird view. I felt like, I was like, is this like a weird view into the future? You mm-hmm. know, like I, I think maybe just the fear of everything that was happening. And then you're seeing like this show and you're seeing it in this format now. I think like for me, it took like, I, it, I think it just uh, almost made the fear a little bit worse, probably inadvertently like i don't think that was clearly not the intention but to me i remember just feeling that way when i was watching this like oh i don't like this oh i don't like what dude yeah like i i know for me during that it's like when you seen like shit like that happening on zoom and then like there was no sports at all and everything that you had grown accustomed to is like fuck like i think it was the fear like how long is this thing is being selfish but it's like fuck. How long am I gonna be without sports? Like, is this how I'm gonna watch Saturday Night Live now? Is like them doing fucking sketches on Zoom. Uh, yeah, uh, it's terrifying time. Yeah. Now I want to ask you. You were that the uh, podcast that you, you mentioned. Um, how, do they? speak about their time on SNL kind of favorably in good light? Or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one, like, says, like, oh, I had a horrible time. Um, yeah, it's all, they speak very fondly of it. Jeez, uh, I'm trying to think who, who all they've had. They've had uh, Lauren Michaels has been on the show, uh, which. I like, I'm going to find a listener that I'd like to listen to that. I'll send you the link uh, as soon as we're done here. Um, but everybody that comes on the show, they have a Lauren story, and they all do the Lauren voice. And I can totally see where Mike Myers got the inspiration for Doctor Evil from. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Mike Myers has actually been on the show, which I found a a little shocking at first until I found out that him and Dana had reconciled. And they're on good terms again because I knew for a while there they would write each other's throats for some weird reason. Um, yeah, they did, they did like a two part, uh, tribute to Chris Farley. Uh, John Hamm has been on there. Paul Rudd was, uh, the guest, I believe this week. Okay. Since he's been the host so much, uh, Chevy's been on there. I don't think they've got an Aykroyd or like Murphy or anybody like that, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's usually Conan O'Brien who used to be a writer on the show. He's been on there. So yeah, it's somebody that's been involved with the show. They just talk about their experiences and stuff on there. It's a really, really good podcast. And plus, I this may be a little foreshadowing, but I really missed seeing Dana Carvey in anything. So being able to hear him again was kind of cool. I honestly, I'm not a big Spade guy, but yeah, Carvey's awesome. So I was like, okay, I will at least check this out. And I, it's on regular rotation now. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm glad you told me about that. I, I think it's one of those things I see and I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting, and I just haven't watched it but i'm definitely going to now i you know i wanted to ask that i i i listened to jay moore's audiobook mm-hmm. uh for airtime and you know i've it, the way he talks about it, it just awful time right um i well lots of awful time sure awful and good times uh and then listening to people like janine garofalo talk about her time on the show and just interviews i've i've seen and um but but more just so most of the insight that i've kind of learned about from jay moore and man that's that's a cutthroat place and it is like it is not 
at least at the time, the way he describes it, which is surprising, it is not a collaborative place at all. It's very clicky and it's very uh, competitive. And it's almost, it's like, I remember learning, like reading that and just being complete because my thought of it is, oh man, I bet these guys like are just have the best time doing this. Mm -hmm. Right. And maybe they do now. It seems like the, I, I feel like the culture of Saturday Night Live has changed, especially now. It is not the same show it was, excuse me, when I, you know, when I first started watching it for sure. But yeah, it is a, just the way he describes it. it it's, it's almost like they, it's, it can be very harmful to your health. <laughs> the way he yeah, it, it, it. From what you it sounds like it's kind of like, uh, I mean, it's kind of like anything that it's, there's only an hour and a, well, not even an hour and a half, really. Once you break down the two musical performances, commercials, things like that, it's probably, what, like an hour, maybe? Yeah. So it's like an yeah. hour a week where you're trying to get shown on TV. And, I mean, I can see it being cutthroat. You know, it's like they're all trying to vie for that same spot, and like some people just don't cut the mustard. And It's like with anything, though. Like, if you don't have success, you're not going to – view it from a favorable lens. Sure. I honestly, I completely forgot that Janine Garofalo was even on that show till you said something. Yeah. And I don't remember seeing Jay Moore in a lot. Uh, you know, that Sarah Silverman has talked about her time on the show, man. You're right. I think it's uh, because I'm sure if you asked, uh, you know, Keenan Thompson, he's got to say nothing but great things about it. Oh right? yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I totally, I think it, it all depends on, on, uh, how your time was on the show, kind of what you're going to say. But yeah, it was really interesting to to hear him talk about it. Like, because uh, uh, it was just, it was the complete opposite of the way I thought it would have worked, mm. you know, something like that. But you know, it's one of those things now, once I learned that, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then it, it's like, oh, this is, it's that I've always never, I always heard, you know, learn Hollywood is cutthroat, but I've always had this fantasy that no, it's just people who love making movies working together. Yeah. And how that works. I'm like, Oh, it kind of made me understand how Hollywood probably works too. Right. Where, well, that's just, uh, it's and, with anything in society. It's just, if you've got a, a group of people in the same field, company, office, whatever, and there's limited spots, for avenues to success, you're eventually going to start trampling over people to get a piece of that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, the fly on the wall show, it's usually like everybody speaks very highly. Although you do hear some of the, the stuff, especially when you talk to people that wrote on the show, how stressful their week is trying to write stuff. Cause it's usually, uh, they're locked pretty much in an office Tuesday and they're basically pulling a lot of late nights and stuff trying to get stuff done and where they can't come up with anything and then all of a sudden it, it just happens and then everything's fine but yeah yeah I uh, it, learning about that made me realize I've always had like this fantasy it's like man I feel like in another life I would have, I could have, like, I would love being a comedic writer or being in, on that show. And then learning that made me realize, like, oh, you have to have, like, you have to have strong character to do that. Mm. Like, you have to be a strong person to withstand that and then keep doing it. Yeah, know? week after I'm, week. Because I'm sure yeah. that those guys submit stuff and, pe like, the performers, like, this is, 
I'm not doing this. This is fucking shit. Yeah. Or, um, you know, I've heard stories of Chevy Chase, <laughs> the way he talks to uh, cast members, you know, cast members. I hear he's not a very kind person. No, well, him and uh, I know one of the things was uh, him and Bill Murray did not get along. Okay. I think I think it was Murray and Chase had a fist fight right before they went live. Oof. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, and then, of course, they turn around, they do Caddyshack about a couple of years later. And yeah. they have that infamous scene together. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's just, and to me, it seems like I could definitely see it because you, especially with, like, the 90s cast, because Sandler eventually has Spade and Rock and, you know, it seemed like those guys were always in stuff together, like Sandler, Farley, Chris Rock, Spade. All those guys seemed to do shit together. So I can kind of see that click mentality with that stuff. Yeah, like it's it was just – yeah, I imagine like Jay Morey says he's excited to be on the show and it's just like he, he feels like he just gets the – wind sucked out of his sails for no reason you know and he says it just feels like that with all the especially with a lot of new cast members it's just like oh you come in really excited and it's just like you're so excited to like work with these people and you realize that these people don't like they don't like you right because you're competition yeah to them. like you want somebody new coming in and 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 uh you know taking airtime away from you so you know it's understandable but yeah i can imagine i was just like yeah you have to love it so much and you have to just be okay with day after day getting shit on. Well, that too. And you've got, uh, I mean, when you're coming in there as a new person, you've got uh, people that are already established in there that like, it's kind of like those are Lauren's go-tos. Like he can depend on Sandler. He can depend on Will Ferrell. And then like, you've got somebody new coming in. Like, can you cut it? And like a lot of times uh, I know as an example, Spade had been on that show for years before he finally broke out. Mm-hmm. He was always that guy, that, like, when they had, like, uh, I remember I was showing, uh, actually, I was watching the lunch lady bit with Sandler and Farley. And yeah. you start seeing, like, all these bit players that you don't really, like, Norm MacDonald was, like, dressed up as something, and Ellen Cleghorn was dressed yeah. up as something, and, uh, fuck, who else was, I think Julia Sweeney was one. Like, okay. Yeah, these are like bit people that like never really they were good, but they never really stood out outside of norm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I you know, I, I remember uh and, and I don't I can't remember the name of the show, but MTV used to have a show where they would do a it's kind of like a short thirty minute documentary on a celebrity and there was no speaking, it was usually just text over music and pictures. Uh and they did David Spade and he uh I think he said a big part of his adopting kind of his very sarcastic, snarky, mean-spirited comedy came out of just this realization that if he doesn't come up with something, sorry, not live, he's going to get cut. Mm-hmm. And he did like that, start doing that spade in America thing where all oh, the Hollywood like, minute. Yeah. Hi, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hi. I, I think, yeah, Spade in America or something. Oh, that was a show he had maybe. Yeah. Hollywood minute where he, you know, made, jokes i remember he made that joke about eddie murphy he was, was really kind of mean-spirited you know oh yeah he uh, he hit below the belt on a lot of shit <laughs> um but you know i think that that i think that was part of his 
coming up with uh, a way to be more memorable on the show mm -hmm. and you know that with other things worked so, yeah. yeah well i i know it's been a while since you've been on the show but uh we've kind of changed things up a little bit we have a little bit of a conversation around topic and then uh we craft a top five list off the topic so uh today i decided to we were supposed to have uh, producer adam on the show unfortunately he was not able to make it so um he did provide his list but uh i wanted to get your thoughts on who you think are the uh the top five best performers to come out of saturday night live and give us your favorite skit from that person so okay. uh we typically we do I'll do five, then you do five, so on and so forth. Um, and then, yeah, we'll just do that. Then uh, I'll read Adam's list off once we're done. So uh, who would be uh, your top five? Who's your number five? So number five, I would say just Chris Farley is probably my number five. Mm -hmm. uh, I have him on the list. I He was a, you know amazing performer on that show. And then his uh, motivational speakers, Matt Foley bits, are just something that is well, seared into my brain forever. Mm. And then I think I also chose him. He's on my list uh, just because I think, again, very formative years when he was on that show. And I just have a lot of great memories of my life. And again, his that you'd mentioned earlier, these people kind of like forge the kind of comedy you like. Mm. And so I feel like Harley, just his outrageousness and very physical is something that I loved. And, uh, and, and I love that type of comedy. And, you, and I think that's because of seeing that, you know, through him. Mm. Um, I know like one of the things I liked about, uh, like about Farley was uh, I was watching the, uh, in preparation for this, I've been pretty much on YouTube all week watching like Saturday night live skit stuff that I remember that I really liked. And I watched the, uh, the Hurley, he boy skit where it's yeah. him and Sandler. He's, uh, Sandler's trying to get you to let him uh, watch your house. And Farley used to do this thing where, uh, and he's done it in some movies. I think he did it in, uh, yeah, he did it in Billy Madison when he was the bus driver. But he gets, like, upset, and he just kind of keeps mouthing. Like, he's silent, but he's, like, kind of muttering under his breath, like swearing almost. And yeah, I, know what you're I had about. never seen that before in anything and yeah. until I, I seen him do that. And just to this day, like I find myself doing that sometimes just, I get mad. Yeah. And I just like, you know, mutter like son of a bitch mother, you know, start swearing under my breath. He, I, uh, cool thing that we saw in one of the tours we did going through Saturday night live studio is, um, you know, there's on the stage in one of the walkways, it's a really low bar. So they have a thing that says, watch your head. And then I can't remember who they said wrote it, but Chris Farley kept hitting his head on that. So one of the cast members wrote Farley right after that. Uh -huh. And it's still, and it's just a cool little piece of. You oh, know, that's, history. that's so cool. Yeah. Um, producer Adam had uh bill haters, his number five. Oh, okay. And um, his favorite skit was the, uh, was the character Vinny Verducci. Oh yeah, where he's interviewing yeah. uh, Malkovich, and of course it's it's a porno movie that Vinny's been in. <laughs> I I love that because he that's one of the the genius of that skit is he can do impersonations of the people on his show, you know, uh -huh. and not in character. Um, and when he does John Malkovich, yeah, is that the, I don't know if that's the one you said, but yeah, he does 
yeah, the John Malkovich. It is. It's a dead-on impression, and it worked so well for the sketch because he's playing this non-English-speaking character, and it's so he sounded more like John Malkovich than John Malkovich did. You know? Yeah, I, I caught him, um, and he just kind of. It's like almost seamlessly, he just goes from one to the other without like yeah. no flubbing or anything. There's actually a skit where he is on Weekend Update as John Malkovich. He has the bald head. He looks more like that character, like the way his head shaped in the bald head. He looks like that one character from the video game Tekken. Oh, yeah. Where uh-huh. it's like the spiked bald head character, but it's still hilarious. Um, my number five is I cheated a little bit. Um, I have a two-way tie between uh, Dana Carvey and Mike Myers. Mm. Um, okay. I always like Carvey because uh, – I'm a sucker for people that do impressions. Uh, you'll probably find on my list that quite a bit of those are uh, super awesome impressionists. But uh, Carvey was always like so good at doing that. And plus, I always find that he was also able to blend in <clears throat> seamlessly into scenes and be like kind of a background character and let other people shine, but still like contribute when he needed to. Yeah. Um, well, I agree with that. And then uh, Mike Myers, I just I think during that '90s run, he crafted so many memorable characters from that that show. Linda Rickman, uh, who's the it's drawn a blank. Fucking De- it was Sprockets Dieter. Oh yeah, uh-huh. and then of course Wayne from Wayne's World. So uh, yeah, yeah, just so many memorable characters from him. And then my favorite skit from them is obviously my favorite Saturday Night Live movie of all time is Wayne's World. So oh, yeah, I'm okay. obviously going to choose Wayne's World. Uh, picking a particular one, it's probably the one with Hanks as the yeah. roadie for Aerosmith. And uh, even uh, for this podcast, for like the first six months of this show, I used to test the mics with that same cadence that Hanks used in that, that testing, one, two, sibilance, sibilance, one, two. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I watched... I I I saw the sequel before I saw the first one. Really? And I don't know why that happened. I wanted to see the first one. I just I never got a chance to see it. Uh, I think I saw the see. I think I want to say you and I saw the sequel at a drive-in because I have a memory of that. Well, I don't know. It wouldn't have been a drive-in because Wayne's World Two came out in like right before Christmas. Okay, then never mind. You may have seen it with me, but yeah, I I don't think it was a a drive-in. but yeah, I can't remember why I saw the second one first, but I remember seeing the second one first and then I had to go back and watch the first one. And yeah, I don't know. I just, it's just weird how I worked That's out. That's how I took in the Godfather. I watched two before one. So hey, it happens, oh. man. They're both awesome. Um, Adam had for his number four, he had a uh, Keenan Thompson, which I thought was a little bit surprising. Yeah. Although I, I love Keenan and his favorite sketch was the, uh, the Black Jeopardy, the one with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Have you seen that one? I have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that one is fucking amazing. I I had uh, I think I seen that for the first time like six or seven months ago. Yeah. That that's a great sketch. Um I I wanna make sure is this the one where he's got the uh He's got the Make America Great hat on. Yeah, yeah. And say, after he hits, like, he gets the first right answer, he goes, uh, well, we're, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it. That's, that's, yeah. He goes, I love those uh, Medea movies. If I, can, <laughs> if I can laugh and pray, 
at the same time. I got my money's worth. That's 90 minutes well spent. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, man. I was, uh, during watching a lot of these uh, skits, I watched um, the screen test skits that they used to do all the time. They would take, like, a famous movie, and they would do, uh, like, they did the Star Wars screen test, which is my all-time yeah, favorite one. But uh, they did, uh, they seem to have brought him back in the, the early 2000s. But uh, Keenan always did Sinbad. <laughs> and I, th- yeah, I, I honestly, this is no slight to people like Sinbad, but I think his Sinbad is funnier than Sinbad's Sinbad. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, Keenan's great though, and I think he's closing in on the record for being the longest tenured cast member, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I th- yeah, I th- actually, I think he's he's I think he is. I Did think they? he passed Daryl Holman. Yeah, he passed Daryl, and uh, man, I I want to say uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of if he takes over as producer of that show. I think that's kind of what he wants to do. Um, at least I remember like reading something about that. Now, but... did Daryl Hammond is he like? Taking over for Don Pardo now, so I know he yeah, did yeah, it for so a while. I don't know if he's still doing it or not. Uh, at least that's as far as I saw online. I think yeah, he's really still, he's announcer. Yeah, I was like Tamman too, kind of an underrated performer. Yeah, you're right. He is. He's he's another one who is great, kind of background, but then does is an amazing performer mm. himself. Yeah. Who is your number four? So my number four is Will Ferrell. Okay. Yeah, Will Ferrell. Uh, is when I think about Will Ferrell, honestly, he's just, uh, I feel like he was made for that show. Mm-hmm. Like I remember feeling that way about that, watching him. I was like, he is like the perfect cast member. Uh, and I just felt like that. And I, I, I he just, he could play anything, you know, and he was always really funny. And, uh, you know, I've learned that a lot of the, he came up with a lot of his own, you know, the sketch ideas that you see came from him. And one of the coolest things is I remember seeing his audition online um, and one of his bits that he made up for his audition was, uh, is actually one of my favorite skits of his. For, and I don't know why, I just think it's, I think it might, like reminds me of my dad and my uncle, but it's a uh, man yelling at kids to get off the shed. <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember that skit, but yeah, so, you know, we just flipping burgers sitting talking and he goes, get off the damn, get off the damn shed. <laughs> but he does that in his, uh, he, that's one of the uh, bits he does in his uh, audition. And, you know, it's funny. You can hear people laughing, you know, at the day. Yeah. It's, it's so, so funny. Yeah, he's such a powerhouse performer, though. Like, he really, even when he's not the main character, he's kind of like, he's the person you kind of gravitate towards when you're watching yeah. these. Him and Farley had a lot of a lot of that. I mean, their comedy style is obviously completely different, but they seem to kind of have that same energy where it seemed sure, like yeah. no matter – if they're supposed to be a background character or whether they're the featured performer, like it's, you could take your eyes off of them. Yeah. I think a good example of that is the skit he did with uh, Jim Carrey, you know, the lifeguard, the hot tub lifeguard. The, the, where, the, was it the, the jacuzzi lifeguard, wasn't it? Yeah, jacuzzi lifeguard. Yeah. yeah jacuzzi lifeguard, where Jim Carrey just, but I feel like, yeah, Will Ferrell is the kind of victim, I guess, in that, but he, he still, I feel like was very, uh, great in that scene with with Jim. What's your favorite skit from Will Ferrell? So I was the the, the shed one. Really, I, he's done so 
many, but the sheds ones. Uh, some of the other favorite. I've always loved the. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's he and uh, Anna Gasteyer, where they were the. Singers. Oh, um, I forget Anna's name, but he was Marty Culp, the uh, the the band. Yeah, the, the yeah. band couple. Yeah. And so that I I love those. Uh, and then the uh, the one he did with Sherry O'Terry, the uh, the cheerleaders. The, readers where that I thought I always thought those were hilarious but yeah I would say the sketch that when I think of Will Ferrell to get off get off the damn shed I guess maybe because I think it reminds me of my dad I feel like that's how he would have yelled at my brother and I if we were like climbing on the house and me and my brother and yeah yeah you're right (laughs) um I know for me number four is I had Bill Hader um I mean we kind of went over it uh so good at impressions um He's kind of like a utility guy that like you could put him in anything, and he was always really good at it. Yeah. Um, I think favorite skit for me, I almost wanted to go with the Vincent Price, uh, yeah. James Mason skit, the Halloween special, but um, I never knew he did this impression until two weeks ago. Um, but if anyone out there watches Dateline NBC, they have a reporter on there named Keith Morrison. And Bill Hader does an impression of him yeah. that, like, Friday, I was having a, a kind of a shit day at work, at least starting out my morning, and I was listening to a podcast, and I said, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to throw on some Hader stuff on YouTube. And I was watching, the f- like, at least four sketches where he does Keith Morrison, and it's a it's exaggerated, but yeah. if you ever watch Dateline, you know that, like he's he's got the cadence and even like some of the shit that Keith says on Dateline down yeah. to an absolute T. So like probably he's excited about huh? what's happening. Like he's excited. Like there's he's ah. excited. He's ah. ah, that's that's funny. I because of that sketch when my wife is just something I do. She's like trying to tell me something as she goes. I go oh. Ah. I was a. Uh, there was one where uh, he was talking to uh, Keenan Thompson. I forget the, the lady's name. They were a married couple. And it was basically yeah. one of those things where uh, they had a wedding and, like, the reception, fucking anything that could go wrong went wrong. And uh, he's, uh, the lady says, yeah, like, we got married. Or Keenan says, like, yeah, we got married. He goes, ah, so you liked it, so you put a ring on it. <laughs> And then they're talking about the shit that happens. And then she says, everybody's dancing. And then all of a sudden, like the floor of the reception hall just collapses and all these people fall down. He goes, Oh, he goes, Was that supposed to happen? (laughs) And Keith Morrison does stuff like that. I mean, like, not to that extent, but yeah, I just, that shit cracks me up so much. So yeah, Bill Hader's my number four, though. The guy does no wrong. Plus, uh, I didn't realize this until I was. Uh, he did an interview on that Fly on the Wall show. I guess before Saturday Night Live went on, he suffered from severe anxiety to where he was getting like physically ill before the show went on. And oh wow, yeah, that's when I hear that, I'm like, what the fuck, man? Because like I can't picture that at all. Like, yeah, especially like, someone like you're him. Perfect, <laughs> you're perfect. You know, it's so funny. Like it's just. Where everyone's human, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. Like you, even a person who like performs that way, feels that way. That's in- incredible. Yeah. Um, Adam, uh, is number three. He has uh, Dana Carvey. Okay. And he has the uh, chopping broccoli. 
Yeah. Skit. Um, I honestly, I know the song, but I don't remember the skit too well, so I can't really comment on it too much. But Carvey's awesome. I think we kind of went into yeah. him a little. You know, I went and talked about how I felt about Carvey earlier. But, yeah, can't go wrong with Carvey. Uh, is, is, I can't remember. Is the premise of that song, like, is it kind of like making fun of, like, and maybe I'm mistaken this. It's like making fun of, like, people, like, musicians who think they're, like, so amazing when they, like, do a key change or something. Or I that, think so. But, yeah, like, I, I, I never – Song isn't about that, but the, like that's the point of it. It's like I remember because he does something like, oh, they think when they do a key change, it's like everyone. It's like he his, he makes this big face at the audience, you know? Yeah, well, you know that's the cool thing about uh, like doing like these kind of episodes. When I'm asking you guys what your favorite stuff is, is you guys have been able to throw me curveballs. Like I'm going into these thinking like, okay, they're gonna say this, and it's something completely different. Like if with Carvey as an example. I would expect something like, oh, his George you know, Bush or uh, Perot or uh, even the, the Pepper sketch or something like that. And it's just, you know, some of these answers have been like some very refreshing to hear. So, yeah. Um, who'd you have at number three? My number three is Bill Hader. Bill Hader is my three. Um, and I, I think I love you, all the reasons that you love him i the same thing i think he's just a, a, a great performer and he's another one who i felt like is perfect for that show mm-hmm. yeah it's almost like uh for that show he really feels like if you put you if you put like if you went into a lab like okay give me the perfect saturday night live performer that could do everything it's like okay you're gonna come out with bill Hader. yeah no i totally i agree with that uh, yeah, a great performer. I would say, you know, my I was going to say my favorite sketch was Vinny Vedecci, but um, since that was already mentioned, I'll I'll say my probably my second one is the, uh, the I, I don't think he did the sketch when he was on the show. It's when he came back and hosted, but it was he was in a puppet puppeteering class. And I do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's just like he's the one who's like a war vet and his puppet his puppet looks exactly like him. And I yeah. just watched that one this morning. Yeah. And he starts <laughs> making okay. out like he's talking like basically he's suffering from PTSD from the war, his puppet yeah. is. Oh yeah. I, that cracks me up, man. That one and I, I also love that too because he's making his cast members break, you know, just because of how ridiculous it is. Uh-huh. I, uh, yeah. during the screen test ones though, uh, talking about how good he is in impressions, like his Alan Alda. Oh yeah. Who I had completely like forgotten about. Like he was a, a obviously a very prominent actor during the seventies with mash and then, you know, yeah. but then he comes back, like, he seems like he's almost like kind of prominent again, at least a little bit. And he goes, yeah. like, this is great stuff. Yeah, it's um, yeah his yeah his that was a fit yeah as a dead on impression. Uh, my number three is I had uh, Phil Hartman. Oh okay. Um, I don't know. He's just the consummate professional. It's just like uh, you could plug him in wherever, and you knew you're getting something good. He also, to me, Phil always seemed like he was not just a good comedic performer, but he was actually a really good actor. Yeah. And uh, some stuff that I liked about him is uh, even when he's playing the straight man, like he makes the perf- like I always use the Matt Foley sketch to describe him. I don't think the Foley sketch works quite as well 
if Phil Hartman is not playing like everybody's dad in that, like yeah. just so like so straight. Because mm-hmm. I've even found myself uh, when I was revisiting that sketch a couple days ago when he yells down to the basement goes, "Hey Matt, come on up, buddy." I find myself yeah. calling people buddy sometimes. I'm like, "Fuck!" Like I, it's totally ripped off from that sketch. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Phil Hartman was just like the guy that you can always count on. He was always going to deliver, and they just uh, the pros, pro. They called him the glue. I think that was the nickname yeah. he got on the show. And it seems like ever since he left, <clears throat> they seem to have that one like performer that has been on the show for a while that seems to be you can plug him into anything. We spoke about mm-hmm. Daryl Hammond earlier. It seems like Hammond took the mantle from Hartman, and then once Hammond left, Keenan kind of took the mantle from yeah. Hammond a little bit. Um, yeah. Favorite Hartman sketch. Uh, I love the – like. The caveman lawyer was really good. Yeah. Yeah, um, good. I like the uh, what was that? The Frankenstein Tonto and damn, who was the other one? Because Hartman was uh, Frankenstein, Lovitz was yeah. Tonto, and I forget the other one. Um, but I liked uh, the Bill, his Bill Clinton, yeah. uh, specifically uh-huh. the one where he's out jogging and they stop inside the McDonald's, yeah. and people <laughs> are asking him about the. Uh, during Clinton's early uh, years as president, there was a conflict with Somalia where countries were sending aid to Somalia, but uh, the warlords that were running the country were taking it, so the people that needed it weren't getting this stuff. So people inside of McDonald's were asking him, like, why aren't these people getting stuff? So he's basically eating bits of their food and explaining <laughs> the whole, like, you know, like this egg McMuffin, yeah. rice and, you know, rice and water. <laughs> Snatch like just takes a giant bite out of it, gives it back to him, intercepted by warlords. <laughs> yeah, and that to me, like I think he's even though I think Hammond's impression was a little better. I, I Phil Hartman's always going to be like if anybody does Clinton, he's the standard for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, no, I I agree with that. Yeah, I one of my uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was Phil Hartman, and because it, it in my memory. It, seems like it's him and it seems like it's a role he would play it was a very visual gag but he he, he would play like detectives a lot right because he had that great voice for that mm-hmm. uh, but it was a sketch where he would the gag was you know he would come over he goes hey what's going on and he would look at the, the victim got shot and he would look under the thing and then they had like a mechanism in their sleeves so when they covered their mouth this fake vomit would fly out and so it was just, it was a really visual gag but that visual gag of the vomiting mixed with his you know just his, the way he talks his voice uh is very funny his sinatra too was also killer oh yeah uh and Pis- yeah. joe piscopo was doing sinatra uh back in the, the mid 80s uh, with eddie murphy when he was on the show but then like yeah phil hartman's uh, took it to a whole nother level. I'm trying to look up that skit. Tarzan, Tonto, and Frankenstein. It was Neelan, okay. Hartman, and Lovitz. Got that it. was it. Those were really good, too. Do you, now, did you, have you had a chance to watch his audition tape or his audition video? If you have, I it's on YouTube. I on Phil sure Hartman? YouTube. Phil Hartman's. I'll have to take a look uh, at it tonight. It's great. And, what, you know, I've watched it a few times just because I think it's funny. Some of the bits he does is really funny. But my favorite thing about it is he just has this I don't give a shit attitude. Mm. In, in this. And I feel like, man, that is, I don't know if that's an act 
or if that's just how he is, but it's really cool. Yeah. Just the way, you know, cause you see some and people are like really nervous. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And he just, uh, he almost has this attitude. Like he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's very, it just makes him seem so cool yeah. during his audition. Phil Hartman gets bonus points for me too, because he's in two of my favorite comedy shows of all time, Saturday night live and the Simpsons. So, yeah, I, I was at home. I saw, I remember the breaking news when he, uh, got shot. I still remember that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that that's so heartbreaking to see that. And yeah. like, I don't know. It's one of those things where like he's probably one of the last celebrities that you would expect that to happen to. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. So we're at number. So I you've given your number three. Yeah, I gave my, give my number, number three. three. Adam's given his number three. Um. Number two, uh, Adam also has Phil Hartman as his number two. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, so uh, we don't really need to go too much into Phil Hartman, but his favorite sketch from Phil Hartman was the colon blow cereal oh, ad. Cereal, yeah. <laughs> how many? Yeah, he's how many bowls? That I forgot all about that. Yeah, how many bowls would you need to match one bowl of colon blow? <laughs> I remember uh, as a. As a teenager, my uh, mom was trying to put a grocery list together. And she's like, you guys want a cereal? And I had mentioned, like, yeah, just grab some colon blow. And it just went completely over her head. Like, I've never heard of that one, but okay. And then, like, you see the grocery list. You see, like, we need, like, you know, laundry detergent, milk, bread, cereal. And then, like, in parentheses, colon blow for Russ. Colon blow question you should have said, well, you have to ask for it. It's in the back. Yeah, they keep it in the back. <laughs> um, who is your number two? My number two is Tina Fey. Oh, um, dude, she was so close to being in my uh, my top five, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, she, uh, I think another one, she's just uh, a phenomenal writer. Right yeah. One. I mean, she just did everything on that show. Great. She was great on camera. And she was amazing. She was an amazing writer. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the things I've heard about her from other cast members and in interviews is she's the nicest person uh, and really, uh, really helped helped new cast members would like bring them in the sketches. Uh, so I think that's just beautiful person. Right. Um, my favorite sketch and she and just on camera she just she was always just so funny her uh sarah palin yeah sounded better than sarah palin uh the fact that she, she looks a lot like her too sold it yeah uh-huh um oh yeah she was great and i would say probably my favorite sketch and this is probably my favorite one of my top favorite sketches of all time just because it's i just think it's genius is her colonel angus sketch uh-huh yeah <laughs> Uh, um, oh my gosh, his name, uh, Christopher Walken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colonel, I do, are you familiar with that? Yeah, like, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and just, and I remember watching that and it took me a while to realize that it was just the play on words of Cunnilingus, right? I like, I didn't get it at first because she goes, oh, I don't, I, I've been waiting so long for Cunnilingus. <laughs> and, you know, and you just say it over and over again. Eventually, the audience picks up on it. Yeah. And I think that's when I picked up on it, too. And it is just that sketch. I just think that is an ingenious sketch. You know, I just think it's it's so funny. Um, anyway, yeah. So that's that's favorite sketch from her. And probably, again, favorite one of my top favorite sketches of all time, just because I just think it's 
I just think it's genius. <laughs> I just I, think it's an amazing sketch. I think Tina Fey is important too because it seems like she was kind of <clears throat> during her period is when I think in terms of one of the things I felt after the original the original cast because the original cast had Lorraine Newman, Curtin, and Gilda who are just powerhouse comedic comedic actresses, but. After them, Saturday Night Live really kind of lacked a, a strong sure. female performer for a long time. Yeah. And then, like, once she came on, it seemed like the the like the performer, the female performers actually seemed to be stronger than the male performers that they had. It seemed like she was like kind of like the the head led the charge of like, you know. When she was on the show, we had Amy Poehler, we had Maya Rudolph. Uh, I don't, my timeline's a little foggy, but I think Kristen Wiig kind of intersected with some of them yeah, too. She came in a little bit later, yeah. And then I think yeah. maybe Kate McKinnon did too. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, now it's. Right. That's, that's a good thing. That's a great observation because you're, I didn't even think about that, Russ. I mean, now I feel like there's, they have several phenomenal female cast members who like they're great on their own right not just as great bit pieces but they have great memorable characters of their own and you're right i think before tina fey i can't really think of of uh you know molly shannon maybe is the only yeah, one i can yeah they, they had molly yeah. shannon gastire and sherry o'terry they were solid yeah. But I mean, I don't think I would put because I honestly, Kristen Wiig, Polar, and Faye could easily be on any of our top five list, and I think nobody would really have a strong argument against it. You know, sure. yeah, good point. Or even Maya Rudolph, who I actually I more of a Maya fan. I think she's kind of the strongest of those four. But yeah, it seems like ever since Faye was on that show, they've always had like a at least one really strong female performer, like, cause you went from her and then wig took over then McKinnon. And now I would, I don't know. would, I know Cecily strong has kind of been pretty solid. I do like her a lot. Yeah. But I, like I said, I don't watch it enough right now to, I don't know, make a strong case for who the, the female lead is now. But yeah, it seemed like she was kind of like the Renaissance for like reinvigorating the female cast. Yeah, that's a, that's a good observation. You're absolutely right. I I have one in the the bag every great once in a while. Um, uh, number two for me is Farrell. Uh, we kind of already went over him, I, and I figured that we were going to interlap some of these. Um, favorite sketch. It's pretty easy to go with the Gene Frankel more cowbell. That's probably yeah. his most iconic one. But for me, my favorite sketch of his, it's a tie between his Robert Goulet, where he does the Goulet, the rap stuff. (laughs) That was actually my voicemail message for shit years, was him uh, rapping Big Papa by Notorious B.I.G. as Robert Goulet. And it's a tie between that and then the Neil Diamond Storytellers. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Which to this day, I can't hear a Neil Diamond song without hearing "I Killed a Drifter to Get an Erection." <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, he's fantastic though. Uh, and, and, and I actually looking at it now, it, 
Saturday Night Live has spawned a lot of like comedic stars that the like they go from Saturday Night Live to the movies and become big stars. And I don't know, like, who would you think before we get into our number ones biggest star to come out of Saturday Night Live movie wise? I think it would have to be Farrell, Eddie Murphy, and probably Mike Myers would be your three. Even though Myers only had Wayne's World and the Austin Power stuff, yeah. those were still huge box office hits. Yeah, I and Sandler. Right. I can't forget about Adam Sandler too. Oh yeah, yeah, but only just because of his quantity. If we're talking, if we're no, I'm kidding. I love, I love his movies. Once you get um, to a certain point, then after that, it's like, eh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, yeah. I think it would have to be him or Eddie Murphy. Yeah. If, if, yeah, if you mean box office or it just as a, kind of as a huge thing? star. Yeah. Yeah. I've Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't speak. I would say Murphy is basically going off what I've read, but I know for me, my list doesn't include a lot of the older performers just because I'm going off of watching them perform in the moment versus like yeah. afterward. Because I mean, like I I've seen Eddie Murphy stuff and it's fantastic, but like it kind of, and even like Chevy and John Belushi and who we've I don't know if any of us have Belushi on our list, but I don't really I can't put into context the cultural significance of them during their time, so I didn't yeah. have them on my list. But yeah. Murphy yeah. though. That's that's kind of why I didn't have like him on my list, right? Because yeah, I I felt like most of my, I, I only am have only ever seen a few sketches of his, you know, uh, that I can see online. So and you know the the memorable ones like Buckwheat and Gumby and stuff. But yeah, I don't. I agree. I just didn't have a. That's more of like me discovering that after the you know afterwards. Yeah, it's like going back and like okay, like I've watched you know, Indiana Jones and the kingdom yeah. of the crystal skull. So I'm going to go back and reintroduce myself to Raiders of the lost Ark. And right. it's like, okay, yeah, like yeah, those were much better. That's probably a bad way to describe that. But, um, but speaking of that though, Adam's number one is Dan Aykroyd. Oh, okay. Uh, because I can't your sketch. Um, his favorite sketch was the uh, weekend update where he refers to Jane Curtin as an ignorant slut. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I do like a lot of Ackroyd stuff. Uh, actually, um, me and some buddies used to go to Boston Market, which I don't even know if those are still a thing. They are. Oh, are they? No, I don't think they are, man. I, you know, I'm going to look that up now that you say that. Well, last time I was at one is uh, me and my wife and my son went on vacation to Florida. And we actually, we have a thing that if we go out of state, if they have a professional sports team, we try to go see that just to say we like, hey, like we've seen, you know, the Detroit Red Wings or we've seen the Denver Broncos, whatever. But mm-hmm. We were on our way to a Tampa Bay Rays game, and on our way to Tropicana Field, we passed a Boston Market, and we were looking for some place to eat. And I said, "Oh fuck, there's Boston Market. We gotta go." And my son was like, "Well, what do they have there?" He's like, "Oh, they got like rotisserie chicken." And he's like, "I don't want to eat that." And I'm like, "I don't care." 
I was like, we'll stop at McDonald's and get you a half a meal on the way, but I'm eating at Boston Market because I don't know if I'll ever see this again. Oh, man, I haven't had Boston. We used to have one at Fairfield, right? Or somewhere yeah, around there. Yeah, we used to frequent the Boston Market quite a bit uh, in our area. Um, but they Sorry, used to, I'm talking about. They used to ask you for a name for your order, and Dan Aykroyd used to do this skit on Saturday Night Live. It was called Fred Garvin, Male Prostitute. Uh, yeah. And that was like, it would be one of the names I'd use for Boston Market. Yeah. It's like they'd call your name like Fred Garvin, order for Fred Garvin. I think I've heard you use that before. Not yeah. like I feel like you've used that in other places, but too. <laughs> yeah, Ackroyd had a lot of good stuff, though. He did the Bassomatic. Um, I remember uh, he took over, uh, it seems like they always have like, a, they haven't so much in recent years, but they always seem to have like one of their big stars do the presidential impression and he mm. was Jimmy Carter. Yeah. And I remember the skit where uh Jimmy Carter was doing like a, I think it was like a live call-in show and the caller was tripping on acid and he was mm. basically talking the guy down like listen you're on planet earth you're fine you have some music or like play some music do you have any Almond Brothers? Yeah. And that is Jimmy Carter sounded nothing like Jimmy Carter, but it was really good. Then, of course, the the Wild and Crazy Guys with uh, Steve Martin. Yeah, Steve Martin, yeah. Yeah, Ackroyd's a good choice, man. Like, I really I really wanted to put one of the old guys because uh, Ackroyd, Belushi, and Murray were, like, my three favorites from, like, that first run of uh, Saturday Night Live. I loved everything they do. As a matter of fact, I still use the Bill Murray lounge singer Star Wars whenever – Somebody, we're talking about Star Wars. I have to throw it in as yeah. as obnoxiously as I possibly can. We have a duty to. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I it, it's written like okay, cue cue up the obnoxious lounge singer bit. Yeah, Ackroyd's a good one though. Yeah. Um, who do you have as your number one? So this this was I've had to this was a little hard because there was a few that I wanted to choose, but I think ultimately if I had to think about who's my, my favorite cast member of all time, someone, uh, and this is someone who I always go, like, I love watching their sketches. Like I YouTube their sketches often. And that's Jason Sudeikis. I thought I loved him. Whoa. I, I love him. Uh, so yeah, he's, I, I, again, it was hard. I had a few, but I would say ultimately Jason Sudeikis is probably my all time favorite SNL cast member. Okay. Yeah. Is I mean like, yeah. any particular like just any just, reason why? I, I think reasons for that is I, I have several favorite skits, but reasons for that is I think he was a great uh I think we've talked about this a few times with several people. He is great uh at kind of being the uh the focus of the skit. And then he did, he's great just being in the skit in the background. I think a good example of that is in uh Keenan Thompson's uh what is the he's the uh was up with that skit uh-huh uh he's just the kind of b-boy break dancer in the background for that and it just it's so he cracks me up in that every time because when you know when keenan starts singing you see him jump from his spot in the in the spot and camera and the way he does it it's just i just i freaking love it i think it's so funny um but yeah even um it, i think my favorite one of my favorite sketches from him, and I was I watched it this morning. I probably watched it at least a couple times a month because I'll think about it and watch it. And it's it's 
a weird obscure skit, but it's his main justice. He did a couple of them. Have you seen these uh-uh. main justice skits? So the premise of it is it's where he goes. It's it talks about it's like a court television show called Main Justice that takes place in Maine. But then when they introduce the characters, they're all like very they're Cajun characters. And so Jason Sudeikis does an amazing case like, now what's all the now going on here now, right? And he talks like that the whole time. And But the premise of the show is it's weird because they're in Maine, but they all talk like this. And so everyone in the courtroom, including he's, he is the presiding judge. Uh, and then usually it's the judge. And then the, the two skits it's been, it's been the host is the bailiff. So they're up, they're kind of the the main focus. And then everyone in the courtroom, the defendant, they're all kind of, they're all very Cajun. And then it's like the um, uh, the plaint or the plaintiff is Cajun. Then the defendant is uh, like just a regular person who's very confused about uh-huh. what's going on. And it's so funny. He goes, well, what's happening here? We're in Maine, you know? And he goes, <laughs> you know, Jason Sudeikis, he was like in the ski. He goes, well, I don't know, maybe after Katrina, a lot of us got relocated here to Maine. We just don't want to change, you know? <laughs> and then it's, anyway, you look, I, I highly recommend you look them up. As soon as we get done with this, time, I'm going to do that. I'm going to look them up. And so the way he talks, like I talk to my kids like that all the time, especially if they're just getting on my nerves and like my, you know, they just ask some questions. I just start talking like that to them and then they get tired of it really quickly Yeah, because they can't understand what I'm saying. So it's just like, you know, they ask, can I, what? Dad, can I use the iPad? What's out there? You want to use the iPad there now? What you, you want to watch the show now, huh? Uh-huh. Is that what you want to do there now, huh? <laughs> can I use the iPad there? Well, you got you to tell your dad what, what you want to do to your iPad there now, huh? Uh, it's almost like, who's the guy from uh, The Water Boy? Yeah. Like, he talks about that. It's like a version of that. How long before you mind it? Yeah, yeah. So... Anyway, yeah, you got to watch it. And then uh, Jamie Foxx is the host in one, and then Justin Timberlake's in another one. And they're they're both hilarious skits. So, yeah, Jason Sudeikis, my number one. Oh, see, this is – I knew this – now I feel kind of like my number one's going to be like a big letdown because uh, you guys have come up with like these kind of out-of-left-field choices that are really good. But uh, – for me, number one uh, is Chris Farley. Yeah. Uh, yep. I For me, my criteria for my favorite performer is if I can put him on and the skit is just as funny seeing it for the hundredth time as it was the first time, uh, Farley probably has more of those in, in, for me than any other performers come through the show. Um, I know you mentioned the Matt Foley motivational speaker, and that probably would have been mine. Uh, but just simply to be different, uh, I'm going to go with uh, his other iconic skit is the Chippendales with Patrick oh, Swayze. Yeah. Patrick Swayze, yeah. And yeah. that works just so well because it's simply like the polar opposite of what you'd expect a Chippendales dancer to be. You've got right. Patrick Swayze who's shredded, you know, good-looking, you know, movie star, and you've got Chris Farley who's built more like me. And yeah. the fact that these judges are struggling to pick who they want to win. That's a really good one. I'm sorry. I wasn't saying, yeah, to he's built just like you. I was saying, yeah, to I, that's a great choice. I wanted to be clear. I, okay. I, I mean, with you. I, I don't think I'm quite Chris Farley size, but um, yeah, yeah. Farley for me though, just, he's just a, a, ball of, a, a ball of, you know, just manic energy and just, 
even like some of the skits, like, you know, he's like this big ball of energy, but from everything I've read and heard people describe Chris Farley is the Chris Farley show performances yeah. is more in line with who Chris Farley really is as a person. And those skits work so well together too, because I have a feeling that if, this show ever gets big enough to where I can interview famous people, I would imagine for like the first, I don't know, fuck, I don't, depends on who I'm talking to, but I'm sure that I would probably interview famous people like that too. Like, yeah. hey, remember when you, you know, that rock was chasing you after you grabbed that gold monkey and you got in that plane and flew it with it? Remember that? That was so cool. That would be me. And I think everybody was like had like would have like kind of that starstruck moment like that too. Yeah, I agree, man. Those are I was gonna say if those probably my behind the motivational speaker skits is my favorite because I yeah I think they're hilarious. Yeah, you know, um, uh, Paul McCartney, you remember in that song you said the love you make sequel to the love you take or something like that. Yeah, goes, remember that? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> he goes. Yeah, he did uh, <laughs> the ones with uh, with him, and then he did one with Scorsese that was fantastic too. So he's like, remember, like they were talking about the passion or not the passion of Christ, the last temptation of Christ, uh-huh. and yeah, that one was really good. Um, but yeah, Farley's my number one. Uh, man, I love those choices for number one from you guys. Those are like completely out of left field, and I love them. And it's like those are people you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Um, Two quick questions before we go. Uh, did anyone like barely uh, miss the cut for top your top five? Because I have quite yeah. a few, but I, I had a lot. I was going to say Andy Samberg just because his, uh, you know, a, as a cast member performer, right? He didn't, he wasn't very strong, but you know, his strength was in the skits and writing those and things like that. And uh, I've always I remember there was a time. Uh, you know, in my young adult life where my favorite part of the Saturday Night Live was to see what the digital short was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, that was usually I would just watch, and that was really what I was watching to see what the digital short would be. So I think just the sig- cultural significance of that for me, I wanted to say uh, Andy Samberg is one. Uh, a couple, and then right behind them, I wanted, it's two people. It's Kyle Mooney and, um, oh, crap, I can't remember. Uh, it's... It's another cast member. They came on at the same time, and they actually came on together. They were doing online skits together Mm -hmm. uh, on a website, and so I think that's how they were um, found to audition. Uh, So both of them, I would say, I think uh, behind both great performers, so they were both on almost on my list. How about you, man? Did you? Um, Actually, my top five originally started out as a top 20. (laughs) And I was whittling them down. Uh, Eddie Murphy was on there. Uh, Belushi, um, Aykroyd, Bill Murray uh, from the older guys. Um, didn't have really anybody uh, in the mid-90s, but then uh, Kate McKinnon, yeah. who I absolutely adore. She is hysterical. I think she's probably, for me, is probably the best performer they've had in like the last, I'd say, last five or six years. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Uh, Tina Fey was on there. Amy Poehler was on there at one point. So, yeah, yeah. it was tough whittling that down it, to five. Yeah, it was. It was. I, and here's the thing. If you asked me this 
a year from now, this might be different a little bit. I still, like, I would definitely have Hater, uh, Jason Sudeikis. But, you know, again, depending on, like, my mood, I feel like there's a lot, there's a lot of people that, um, like Andy Samberg, I was, it was really hard for me to not put him on there, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but yeah. Um, no, yeah, like, I, Farrell, Farley, and Hater would probably be on there for sure. Um, actually, my four of my five were pretty much set in stone, but it's that fifth spot, like, mm-hmm. trying to figure out who I wanted to put in that fifth spot. And that's why I kind of cheated a little bit. I'm like, I'll just put fucking Myers and Carby yeah. on there together. Um, last question before we wrap this up. Who is your favorite all-time host of the show? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, again, if you ask, you know, I'm going to say this now because I, I watch these episodes a lot. Uh, Justin Timberlake is probably one of my favorite hosts. I've always loved when he's, you know, the skits on there have been really funny. He is surprisingly um, a very good host on that show. Yeah, he, he really is. He's, um, I remember his, even his, uh, first appearance on there was surprisingly good. I was like, oh, well, he's really, you know, he's a, which makes sense. He's a performer, right? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was surprised. I was like, oh, wow, he's like really, he's funny. Uh, and then, yeah, just the, uh, some, especially his later appearances there, which is really, really funny. You can tell he's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he almost seems like he's very seasoned the last, you know, yeah, I don't think he's been on there in a couple of years, but um, yeah, the last time. So I'd say, yeah, definitely Justin Timberlake is one. And there's probably several others. I can yeah. think of Christopher Walken is one. Like, I, he is, he's a really good host. Um, I know for me, it's probably Baldwin. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I, when I was researching the show, he's been a host 17 times. Wow. That's, I didn't know it was that many. That's, yeah. That's crazy. I know uh, one of my favorite opening monologues from him. This is in the nineties. Uh, he does the monologue and he goes, he loves the whole, we love the whole society life to get the whole New York experience. He goes, come on, let me, let's go show you guys. And and he's tipping everyone. You uh-huh. know? I don't, do you remember that? He's yeah. like, he goes backstage to say, oh, this is uh Hey, it's Dana Carvey. Hey. And then he says, after he goes, think he puts a couple bucks in his pocket. And then he goes <laughs> on to the next one, you know, for the whole New York experience. It's a great opening monologue. Um, he, Obviously, he's probably going to be best known for his uh, stuff as Trump during the yeah. the the elections of uh, sixteen and twenty. Uh, mm-hmm. But I always loved his Tony Bennett. Yeah, uh, like he did that skit with the Tony Bennett show. Uh, I I loved the one where he had Liza Minnelli and her uh, husband was that David Guest. Yeah, and. Um, I know for me, I, we didn't get to talk about because I mean, we could probably talk about this for another four hours. But uh, one of my favorite sketches was always the Joe Pesci show. When it oh, was, yeah. uh, <clears throat> fuck, what was his name? Jim Brewer. Brewer. He was yeah. Uh, yeah. he was Joe Pesci, and they always seemed to have a rotating spot for De Niro. Yeah. And I always thought that Baldwin's De Niro was the best because it looked uh-huh. like late. Late '80s, mid '90s, like later De Niro, where he's like he's done Heat and Casino and all that stuff, kind of the slimier version of him. I uh, is that is that did they do? Didn't they? Uh, didn't the real Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci? Mm-hmm. I think that's how. I think it was. Uh, 
I want to say it's Jim Brewer's last season on the show. I think that's how they ended the skit was the real Pesci and De Niro came and beat him up. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, that, I, I, I forget who was De Niro on that one. I don't think it was Baldwin. Uh, Colin Quinn used to be, when they didn't have, like, the guest host, Colin Quinn would usually be De Niro. And yeah. he always just did the the kind of the the, the squinty-eyed, kind of like that yeah. laugh that De Niro always – yeah, that – frowning laugh that De Niro always did. Yeah. Well, it's a good go. Hey man, it's awesome talking to you about Saturday Night Live, man. I've been wanting to do this for a while <clears throat> ever since I heard the show and I thought, yeah, it'd be perfect to have you on. Plus it's been a while. Uh yeah. I know you were awesome on the Ocean show, so I wanted to have you back. So I thought this would be perfect. Yeah, dude. I honestly, man, I feel like we this we could probably I can. I'd love to do another one, man. You know, oh, we'll have like you back on. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. I, I think these uh, conversations, and then we create a list after that. These are awesome, and I know you and I had spent many a day working behind the counter at a video store, <clears throat> just mowing down cigarettes like they were going out of style. Would have discussions on tons of shit. So, oh man, yeah. Good old days, man. Yeah. Well, hey, awesome talking to you. And uh, before we wrap this up, guys, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, check out the description of the show to find those links. You can email us if you have any questions, concerns, complaints. We direct those towards producer Adam. So be sure to follow us. Uh, we drop new episodes each and every week. So listen where you get podcasts, and we will talk to you guys later.